This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. 10,000 people turned out for the annual Zoomer show in Vancouver last weekend. It was a successful turnout, especially considering the ongoing public health concerns around the new coronavirus or COVID-19. Prior to last weekend, the B.C. Medical Officer of Health had issued a special warning to elderly people to rethink going out. David Kravitz is a vice president at Zoomer Media and was in Vancouver for the Zoomer show. He, along with Fightback's other Zoomer squad members, got together on Monday to discuss with Libby Snymer. There was a lot of buzz. There was thousands of people attending. Um, I didn't see... Um any signs of like, uh, you know, uh, it's a desert, nobody came, you know, the halls are empty, uh, people were there. I didn't see a lot of face masks. I didn't see a lot of people acting uh, apprehensive. Uh, the news came out on the Saturday afternoon about the six people in the nursing home, and the uh, Minister of Health of BC issued not an official advisory, but a statement in an interview saying that very elderly and people whose immune systems are compromised should think twice about going to, uh, you know, large public events. And we actually uh, disseminated that news to to be responsible citizens. And it didn't seem to uh, suppress anything on the Sunday. Uh, It was steady all day long. Uh, The ages looked typical of past Zoomer shows, you know, the right mix mix you'd expect of, you know, 40-year-olds, 50, 60, 70, all, all the way up. And the audience was very engaged and looked quite comfortable. The mood was, uh, there was a lot of buzz and there wasn't any, you know, tentative, apprehensive mood at all. I thought it was uh, very strong. Some people are uh, being especially cautious and some people are just continuing on with their daily lives. And uh, I I gather that, uh, you know, again, being responsible, uh, we offered refunds to anybody who changed their minds and had already paid. And you know what, when rightly or wrongly, when a medical officer of health says something like that, people are obviously going to listen. Well, I think that's true. But I think there's a difference between (coughs) prudence and panic. And I think what I saw was people, you know, you're a lot of a lot of uh, hand sanitizers everywhere. Uh, You can be prudent. Uh, There was a few you know, elbow bumps instead of handshakes. Uh, I think you can take precautions without necessarily, you know, giving up what you normally want to do. And I think that was the mood at the Zoomer show. And the truth is, is that there really have only been a couple dozen confirmed cases of coronavirus in Ontario and in BC. And I understand maybe it's spread out to you know, 70, Quebec. I think, is the latest number for Canada. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's nothing like it is Another overseas. Yeah. So it's important, of course, to proceed with caution, but also to remember that coronavirus is not a death sentence, particularly if 
you're healthy and you take the necessary precautions, wash your hands, brush your teeth. You know, those are the types of things that'll keep you safe, similar to how you would keep yourself safe from the flu. Mm -hmm. I think actually the greatest fear, at least in my, for me, is not necessarily a, a concern of contracting coronavirus and becoming deathly ill so much as it is being around coronavirus and being forced to self-quarantine for two weeks. Yep. To me, that's it's the fear of that that prevents me from going into large crowds. David, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I, I, I think that I've personally experienced this. I'm, I was at the Zoomer show. Uh, I think a good balance, actually, in the behavior of and the attitudes of the, you know, the population. Uh, prudence, but not panic. Care, but not uh, irrational fear. Um, they want, <clears throat> excuse me, they wanted the information. They wanted to be part of the Zoomer show. They valued what we had. They came out. Uh, those that felt they couldn't or didn't or were, were already sick or were worried about it didn't. So, you know, everybody, I think, responded in a very uh, prudent uh, way. And I think it speaks well of, uh, of the Zoomer population that they refused to be stampeded. But on the other hand, they were careful. Peter? EverythingZoomer.com has a really good uh, coronavirus primer, which is updated daily. So if you have any questions that weren't answered on the show, check out EverythingZoomer.com and the coronavirus on the homepage. And lots of good information there. Marissa, last word to you. You know, and I think it's important for all of us to do our part, make sure we're up to date on our vaccines. That includes flu and pneumonia. Make sure we exercise good prevention when it comes to hand washing. Wash for at least 20 seconds. If you suffer from chronic conditions, be extra vigilant. Cover your mouth and your nose when you're coughing or you're sneezing. Stay home if you're sick. Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, A New Vision of Aging, Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor at Zoomer Magazine, and David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media. Fight Back's Monday Zoomer Squad. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Many people, including Zoomer Media founder Moses Neimer, are saying that the biggest danger of COVID-19 is to the economy. While gas prices dropped significantly over this past week, the markets continued to be hard hit, prompted by the falling price of oil in addition to the volatility already in place because of global COVID-19 concerns. There were steep losses on Wall and Bay Streets to start the week, a trend that continued through the work week. So on Monday, we brought in an expert to find out how, as investors, we should react. Alan Small is Senior Investment Advisor at Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth and joined Libby on Monday in the midst of the big sell-off. As we know, oil now makes up nowhere near as large of a component of the market, especially in the U.S. as it does here in Canada. And obviously our markets are down a lot more than, than the U.S. ones because of that, because our market is very much heavily skewed towards energy. But I think it was the, the spat between the Saudis and the Russians over the weekend, and the Saudis talking about uh, jacking up production and lowering the, car, the price of, of oil and to hopefully force the hand of Russia to cut their production. And right now the Russians do not want, wish to do that. So I think when that came out over the weekend, all of us that were on watching, like I was, we saw the market start to sell off, and the sell-off really uh, exacerbated as we came across the, the world into Europe New York markets were halted uh, because uh, temporarily because of the volatility, and they reopened, and the volatility is a little bit less, but uh, as I look at the markets right now, it looks like 
we're falling back again to down uh, in the U.S. somewhere in that 5 to 6% range. Would you say it's because the virus is spreading? Is it because the economic impacts are starting to show themselves? I think the markets have been down or been very volatile, keeping in mind that the U.S. markets were actually positive for the week last week. A lot of people don't realize that because we had such huge swings, you know, up 1,200 on the Dow, down 800, up 1,100, down 700. These are, you know, 3 to 5% swings that you might get in a, in a, in a, on a yearly basis. You're getting them in one day. That's how volatile things were. But I think the word is unknown or uncertainty. That's what's really taking down these markets. People just are uncertain. How, how much longer will this last? How much further will this virus spread? What will be the effects on businesses, small businesses, large businesses? When will the travel industry get back on its feet? How long will it take for the virus to run its course? And I think that is the main question that investors are asking, because obviously if it's shorter for it to run its course, then, then the effects on the economy will be less than if it lasts, you know, many months uh, down the road. So, you know, we have China to look at as an example. They took some extreme measures, but a lot of their facilities are coming back online. I, I heard this morning that the Disney park out there is now reopened. So those are positives, and their cases that they're reporting are a lot less now. So hopefully if we can use China as any indication, uh, maybe this still has a few weeks yet to, to, to go. Uh, I would imagine you've been getting calls from word clients. Yes, uh, a, few cl- a few questions, a few emails, a few calls, yes, and and the questions are basically, you know, should we be selling? Should we be panicking? I think that seems to be uh, the obvious questions to ask. And, uh, and as you can imagine, uh, I never like to panic. You never want to sell when you don't have to. And for many people that don't need their money, uh, at least in the, in the near term, which is probably most of us, then the wrong thing would be to sell. To, to sell because you're nervous. I get it. I understand it. We're all emotional. We all look at the, the, the TV. We all read it online, how many new cases of the virus and where it's spreading. And it really starts to weigh on your mind. But, you know, if you don't need to sell today, uh, I believe uh, I'm in the camp that this will run its course. And at some point, the markets will rebound and everyone will, will get back to where they were. It's just going to take some time. With past, I don't know, what corrections you want to call it or big drops, that when the market came back, it kind of did it the same way with a huge swing over a very short period of time. Yes, and we call that, it's funny you mentioned that question or asked that question because a lot of individuals are trying to figure out the shape of the recovery. They call it the shape. So is it going to be U-shaped, V-shaped? So when it comes down really, really quick, will it go right back up really, really quick and make the shape of a V? Or will it be more rounded? It comes down a little more gradual and more rounded and take a little longer as more of a U? Or will it be more like a, like an L or a hockey stick? And so you had all these like funny conversations. What's the shape of the recovery going to look like? And for me, you know, I believe that what goes down quickly tends to come back up quickly and vice versa. But there's an old saying in the, in the investment world. The markets take the elevator on the way down, but take the stairs on the way up. So perhaps this may take a little longer for it to return back to its all-time highs, but I'm pretty confident at some point we'll get back there again. It's just a matter of when, not if.
Alan Small is Senior Investment Advisor at Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. How is the future looking for the Ontario Liberals now that party members have chosen Stephen Del Duca as their new leader? Depends on who you ask. Paul Calandra is the Progressive Conservative Government House Leader and offered his take on Del Duca's win on Monday. First and foremost, I congratulate uh, uh, Mr. Del Duca. He was uh, a very convincing win on his uh, on his part. Uh, uh, I, I was a bit surprised that uh, that the Liberals uh, uh, chose to go in that direction uh, as opposed to, uh, to to moving forward and making a, a clear break from the past. Uh, there was a couple of uh, candidates um, who who were, looked quite interesting, uh, but uh, the party chose to really double down on the policies of Kathleen, Kathleen Wynne and, uh, and move in that direction. As a uh, member of the government, uh, your government uh, is perhaps a bit vulnerable now. Uh, still, I would say, uh, in recovery mode after a shaky first year. What do you think of him as an opponent? I, first, I'll say this. I don't know him very well. Uh, but uh, the record is uh, is really what I, I, I focus on. When I, mean, I look at his time as uh, as transportation minister, I mean he was the, the father of the the Up Express and the twenty eight dollar fees. That was over over budget. Uh, wasn't on time. Uh, he uh, uh, you know presto he brought in a, a go train station into his uh, into his riding against the advice of officials in an area that it didn't need to happen. Uh, so when I look at his record, uh, it's it's certainly not a very impressive one, uh, and the issues that uh, that brought him back are the very same issues that motivated me to get back into public office uh, in the first place. I mean, he, the first things he talked about on Saturday was uh, uh, a carbon tax and uh, and returning uh, thousands of dollars in tax credits to uh, to to Tesla owners, and uh, you know, just not the direction that the people of Ontario want to go in in 2018, and uh, I think. Uh, I, I was surprised that he he would double down on that and want to get back to the, go back to the past. There was a recent poll showing the leaders list liberals ahead of your government. So again, uh, you know what's what's your strategy and and are you worried now that there's a, a leader in place and it, clearly it's going to be an alternative, something very different to what uh, your government is doing? Yeah, there was there was also a poll that showed that with Del, with uh, Mr. Del Duca as the leader, the Liberals fall uh, to third place, uh, far behind both the NDP and the Conservatives. But they're already I, in third place, Paul. I don't think it matters. Matters, to be honest with you, I think ultimately what uh, uh, in between elections, uh, you know, people will judge the government by what it has accomplished uh, in uh, in 2022. They will uh, judge the parties on on what they have to offer. Uh, I like the fact that we now know who the Liberal leader will be, uh, and it uh, gives us a, a real a big contract. So as I said, I'm surprised that they decided to go back. Uh, uh, look, I got back. I lost. I was very candid. Yep. I lost in 2015. I was a federal member of parliament. I lost the election. I got back into public uh, service to fight against the very same policies that he talked about on Saturday, that he wants to go back to big debt, big taxes, uh, 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 you know, gas plant scandals. These are the things that I, I got back in to, to fight against. And uh, uh, I can't tell you, it's, it, it's even motivated me even more to to, uh, to, to make sure that we never have a return to those policies. Doug Ford has a very big personality. He's very combative. 
uh, it, uh, you know, you either like it or you don't like it. It can be uh, exhausting, probably. Uh, Del Duca, he knows he's not Mr. Personality. Do you, how does, how do, how will that play into things? I actually, I I mean, not to downplay it, but I think it's going to be a a very fun contrast for the people of Ontario because you have three different leaders with three very different uh, styles and, uh, and personalities. Uh, and you'll have uh, three very, very different uh, agendas. Uh, I actually think it, it, it serves the people of Ontario well in, in, a, in a way because they'll, they'll, they'll have very different options uh, in, in, in front of them. And uh, uh, look, I, he, he did acknowledge that he, he might not be the most charismatic and most exciting yeah. guy, but ultimately I think Ontarians vote, or I hope anyway, they vote based on, on the policies and, uh, and the accomplishments of, uh, of the, the people that uh, they have on option. PC government house leader Paul Calandra in conversation on Monday with Libby Snymer. This is the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Stephen Del Duca's election as the new leader of the Ontario Liberal Party was also a hot topic of discussion with our Tuesday strategy panel. Does this change the political landscape at Queen's Park, given that Del Duca does not hold a seat? Weighing in, Liberal Charles Byrd, Managing Principal of Earnscliffe Strategy Group in Toronto. Karen Stintz, former Toronto City Councillor and current CEO at Variety Village. And Conservative John Capobianco, Senior VP and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road. The one thing I think that was obviously a foregone conclusion was the fact that everybody under the sun knew that Stephen Del Duca was going to be the leader of the Liberal Party, which also gave the Conservatives uh, a chance to, to sort of build their case against him because they knew that he was going to win. So there was no surprises. And and quite frankly, I think the biggest challenge that Stephen faces is the fact that he was literally the right-hand person to to Kathleen Wynne. So if you as an Ontarian um, voted against Kathleen Wynne in the last election because of the mismanagement of the Liberals and, and the financial disarray that they've caused this province, you know, it's, it, it, you, it's, it's easy to make the connection that, well, as a senior minister, as a senior member of cabinet, Stephen also had some responsibilities in that in that place. So it's going to be hard for him to kind of, you know, entangle himself from that. And and it'll be one thing that the Conservatives will continually do over the last little while. And the next little while is to sort of make sure that connection continues. Interesting, Karen. So he was uh, criticized by the Auditor General for putting some uh, transit stops in his writing where the Auditor General said that they were not necessary and and spending money. He said he stands that by that decision because he thought that's where it would be needed in the future. So what do you think of that? Is that something that will stick to him? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that, uh, in the next couple of years, he has a chance to redefine what the liberal message is and himself. And these are scandals that are sticking to him now because there's nothing else to talk about. To be candid. Yeah. Um, he hasn't done anything. He doesn't have a seat. I think the next 12 months will be telling for him and the Liberals if he can actually craft out a message and become a, a part of the political discourse that currently is, you know, I think right now all about the Ford government and there is no opposition. Charles, do you think you agree? I think the Ford government will have its own problems and they can try as they might to paint Stephen, Stephen Del Duca's um, product of the Wynn government. I mean, portraying him as the right-hand person to Kathleen Wynn is a bit rich. I mean, 
Kathleen Wynne's deputy premier was um, Deb Matthews from London. But I think the more important thing is the ideas that Stephen's able to bring forward in terms of renewal of the party and also, you know, what are the policies that are going to work for Ontarians besides obviously reversing a number of the disastrous cuts that the Ford government has introduced. And, you know, one such idea that was intru- that Stephen brought forward earlier this year was the notion of cutting transit prices by half across the province except for that one hour um, in the morning and the afternoon when, when transit is at its busiest. This would constitute a huge savings for a lot of Ontarians. It would mean that people would adjust their time of taking transit uh, accordingly. And um, more than anything, it gets cars off the road and gets more people taking transit, as, as we hope they will, because that has a ton of positive benefits for the environment and for the economy. But I do think that, you know, there is a chance for the liberals and nobody should ever underestimate the liberal brand. The liberal brand is always fairly strong and they always they pull high. You know, and even now, without a leader, they were pulling high, as we saw with Prime Minister Trudeau when he came from third place to win government. Uh, nothing's to say that Stephen Del Duca can't mount a good campaign over the course of the next two and a half years uh, and and define himself, as Karen said, and, and be able to build a team. He's got some time. There's no rush. I think he's right to say that he doesn't have to get into the legislature. There's no rush to get in there there's he's not going to cause any he's not going to cause the party to get official party status by going in there so i think spending the next two years literally going out and and you know trying to get the candidates that he wants he's, he's guaranteed some sort of candidate parity uh gender parity for for the candidacies and that's a that's a huge task to to uh have to fulfill so i think he's got a huge challenge ahead of him um but there's a huge debt um, they didn't get a lot of bang out of the convention. And I, we, we talked about that in the previous shows where the lack of this, the leadership race going into and at the convention, uh, really was anticlimactic. People were like, oh, Stephen won press conference and then everybody went home and, and there, there were people who were there in the morning and there for his speech and who, yeah. <coughs> there's so nothing. They there. voted, they left. So I think yeah. they missed an opportunity there because leadership conventions really are an opportunity for any party to kind of showcase their, their leader and, and that kind of stuff. But I do agree with Charles one thing. I think that there was, because he won so overwhelmingly and because everybody including the candidates themselves who were running against him knew that he was going to win um, there was that unity afterwards that I think uh, created some level of, of, of positive news coverage Conservative strategist John Capobianco, former Toronto City Councillor and current CEO of Variety Village, Karen Stintz, and Liberal Charles Byrd, our Tuesday strategy panel. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Kelly in Hamilton phoned to say she had a positive experience in canceling a cruise because of a different virus than COVID-19. I know they will do things. Like if you talk to them and really kind of present your case, I went on when that Zika virus came out, I was pregnant at the time and I was booked for a Disney cruise and they gave me actually a full refund before we went on and my sister who was going with us, um, she had a separate room and they even refunded her 100%. Hmm. And just because we're like, we're not taking the chance of being pregnant. Pat in Toronto called to say he feels that COVID-19 could have devastating effects for older people. We really should be accepting the fact that we are going to see some serious uh, mortality levels with older people. Any of us over, say, age 60 or 70, well, say age 70 and on. And we've got to make that clear because 
how do we contain it when we don't know whether the person is infected? I mean, that's the difficulty. Nelson in Strathroy phoned to reference a previous health scare at a long-term care home. My father, a couple of years back, was in a nursing home, and his roommate had visitors that were contagious with the flu. So then they were both into quarantine because people had to go visit. Um, if people were considerate of others and were they're sick or they're ill, it doesn't matter what their opinion is or what their needs are. They should always consider what others require. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Natalie in Toronto, who phoned to offer her perspective on the current COVID-19 pandemic. I lived through SARS because my father was in North York General, not with SARS, but with something else. I lived through the part where they called me 10 days later to say, oh, we had a SARS patient on your floor where they originally said they didn't. So I know how scared I was then. And I'm pretty scared now because I've had cancer. I've had MRSA. And yes, I am only 69 years old and fairly healthy. But if I got it, if someone who they don't care if you're you're sick or you're not sick, they go. But my mother's nursing home, I can tell you that if, There's more than three or four cases of the flu, regular flu, in that nursing home. They shut it down. And not only do they shut it down, they will call the guardian of every single person in that home to say, don't come. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays at 416-360-0740 on Zoomer Radio. AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca and follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.